song today is going to be number 109 in your hymnals. If you like to see the notes like I do, number 109, Marvelous Grace, and we'll sing the first and the last verse, so first and third verse. Good to see everyone here on this bright Sabbath morning. It is wonderful out there. This a great Sabbath day. A special welcome to our visitors that have joined us this morning. We hope you gain a special blessing from our program, and we're so glad to have you here. The, my thought this morning centers around uh, Thanksgiving. We always think of November as the Thanksgiving month. and So I thought I would just kind of center on that about giving thanks and our celebrations. It's uh, around the verse Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord when always always 
and rejoicing and praising the Lord is for the, all of our lives, for the rest of our life, for every day of our life. So remember to rejoice in the Lord always. And we have special celebrations, don't we? We have some large celebrations and we have some uh, small celebrations. We have birthdays, anniversaries, and uh, special holidays. And um, we also have small ways we can celebrate God's love and what the gifts that he has given us. We can celebrate in the beauty and the beauty that we put in our lives. And that's our choice, isn't it? The amount of beauty that is in our life. That's our choice. We celebrate when we take time to nurture ourselves and our families. We celebrate through our willingness to share, to love each other. And that's the season that's also coming. We think of this time of the season, the special love that we uh, focus on and uh, want to portray to everybody. And it shouldn't be just this time of the year, but should be always. And we forget that sometimes. <clears throat> we celebrate by opening our lives to the Lord and letting his spirit fill our lives with loveliness. So I just want to remind you, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You have a wonderful Sabbath day, and uh, think love. Remember to make God first in your life. We have an announcement this morning, Pastor. Now, Doris was telling me, she says, well, we really don't have any announcements this morning. And wasn't that just a nice devotional thought she shared with us at this moment? And then uh, together uh, with Marcy, I, we, she, Marcy looks at me and she says, but wait a minute, we do have some celebrations, speaking of celebrations, Doris, we do have some celebrations that are happening this morning on this Sabbath day. Can anyone guess what they are? We do have a couple of birthdays. We have Marion Mills having a happy birthday. Yes. And also we have Al Olson. And I said, now, <laughs> I said, I think someone should know about this birthday that's standing right next to me right here on stage. I've been through a lot of those, and it's no big deal. Yeah, she, Right. <laughs> And so because she has been through many, many birthdays with Al, and it's no big deal, I have to make a big deal out of it. Okay. <laughs> it's my duty. Okay. Now, uh, I, I've, uh, I have decided that, that in order to not do announcements during the sermon, that I should do a couple of announcements now. Uh, one, friends, I am so excited this Wednesday night, the nominating committee is getting to work. Are we excited or what? Yes, and here's some other good news. We even have some people who have agreed to serve with me on that nominating committee. Can we just give these, these people a round of applause, please? Thank you. Wow, it makes it so much easier when I have people who know everyone in this community and has been, have been here longer than 165 days. I, that's an approximation. I'm teasing. There's a few of you that think it's funny that I say, I've been here 150 days. And then they say, how do you know how many days you've been here? And I look at them and I'm like, after a master's degree, if I can't count days, that's bad news. <laughs> All right. So 
Anyway, uh, thank you so much to all who have agreed to serve on nominating committee. I am excited to work together with the nominating committee to man all of the battle stations here at Pendleton Adventist Church. And next, I want to talk to you about something very exciting. Now, I know it's in your bulletin, and you could read it for yourself, but let's be honest. How many of us read the entire bulletin? Ooh, I have so many saints here, and the rest of you... Those who did not raise their hand, I want you to go and talk to the people that raised their hand right after the service and say, hey, what's going on around this place? And they're going to tell you because they've read it. Okay. Um, sorry, I have a little bit of a sense of humor this morning. So, friends, something very exciting is coming at the beginning of the year. I am going to be encouraging all of you to join me in reading the entire Bible cover to cover in one year. Now, I, I want to tell you something quickly. Uh, please do not be afraid of the fact that I'm asking you to read the entire Bible cover to cover with me in a year, because here's why. Did you know that it only takes 15 minutes of reading per day to read the entire Bible cover to cover in a year? Yes. Now, when I first came here, I said, we are going to do nothing but spend 40 days praying. There's a reason why we started with prayer, because friends, if we don't pray when we read our Bible, the Bible can actually become the most destructive thing in our life. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to actually see what God is trying to tell us in His Word. So the first habit we want to develop is prayer, and the second habit we want to create is praying while reading God's Word, because that's going to change your life and the life of every person you come in contact with. Now, I got other good news for you. Not only are we going to read the Bible together in a year, but I am encouraging small group leaders to start having groups once a week where you can come together and talk about the amazing things that God is showing you through His Word. So please check that out in your bulletin. Get excited about it. Join me in doing it. And friends, also, daily, not just weekly, daily, I'm going to be going live on Instagram. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, I, what's Instagram? Okay, it's okay. We're going to educate you. We're going to help you get on Instagram, or we're also going to post these videos to Facebook. But we are going to be going live with different members of the church who are joining me in the One Year Bible Challenge to share with you things that we are learning every day. In fact, not only are we going to go live, I'm going to share three things with you every day that I've learned from what I read in the daily reading, and I'm going to invite one of our young people, one of our older people, uh, one of our moms, our dads, our teachers, or whoever to join me on Instagram Live in sharing the three things they've learned. So friends, we're going to have the excitement of reading the Bible together, hearing from people all over the church what God is showing them, and you're even going to get to hear from your pastor every single day for 15 minutes. Isn't that exciting? All right. Yeah, we're going to do it together. Wherever I am, even when I'm traveling all over the world, you're going to see my face for 15 minutes a day, reminding you to read your Bible and talking to you about how exciting it is what God is showing me in His Word. Okay, one more quick announcement. I want to let you know something. The Arise Bible Worker Institute for Soul Winning and Evangelism is the most exciting opportunity of your life, and this local board and the conference has told me that they will give me the money to pay for 12 people to go through the Arise Online with me. And because of the excitement about the program, they said, you know what, we will even give you, we will even give you an additional $600 to buy the public license for Arise so that you can give 12 more people a one-year license for the entire program and invite anyone and everyone in the church that wants to be a part of it to come and watch the videos and the presentations that you will be doing weekly as a part of this training. 
Isn't this great, friends? The conference is investing in the evangelism that's going to happen in this church. And, yes, amen. We got money coming from the conference to us. Amen. <laughs> and we even have our board saying, you know what? This is very exciting. We want to vote to spend the money to make this Arise Institute for Soul Winning and Evangelism happen. And I want to just say, lastly, you know why I'm so excited about this? I'm excited about it because when each and every single one of us have Jesus living in our hearts and we're sharing Jesus with others, we are moving forward in this church's vision and mission to preach the gospel of the kingdom into all the world as a witness to all the nations so that Jesus can come again and take us home. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. This week's um, offering is for world evangelism. And I pray you'll each take a moment and read the um, little yellow insert in your bulletin. It's really amazing to hear what our church has been doing for such a long time and the blessing that our uh, radio broadcasts have been to the world. Um, join me in prayer as, oh, there's a box in the back uh, by the, this door over here for offering. There's also a box over here. And now if you'll join me, we're in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us, for the monies that you provide for us to live a comfortable life. And Lord, we pray that as we give you of our humble offerings, we ask that you would multiply them and make them go far in the ministry of the radio ministry around the world and in the local ministry here. For Lord, we ask it all in your name and that your work might be completed quickly and we can go home. Thank you. And this morning, Marcy is going to have our children's story and the children at this time can go around and collect the offerings for our church school.
It's an awesome song. Thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Very good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you so much for coming up here to hear a story that I have. Well, I have a story of a modern-day Good Samaritan. Do you guys remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Okay. So, this is about a young man, and I'll call him Ryan. Yeah, I'll call him Ryan. So, one day, Ryan and I were sitting in the car. They were at college. I was outside of the... Um, the dorm, it was in the evening, so it was dark out. We were chatting along, and I saw this other young man fall down the stairs. And I was like, ooh, he just fell. And you know how people do, cats do it all the time. When they fall, they like look around like nobody saw me, right? <laughs> so Ryan said, just, it, let's, let's just give him some time. Give him some time. So um, he sat there for a while, and, and then um, pretty soon, Ryan got a, left the car, bye, Mom, bye. And he went up the stairs, and here's this young man there, and he's like, oh, oh. And he couldn't, he, so Ryan said, what's wrong? What's going, are, are you okay? And he's like, oh. I really hurt myself. I think I rolled my ankle. And he had to go upstairs to get to his room. So Ryan said, hey, bud, let me help you. Put your arm around me. I'll help you up to your room. So we got him up there. And is that the rest of the story? Is that all of the story? No, there's more. So he, um, once he got him to his room, Ryan went downstairs and asked, hey, you guys have any ice? I need some ice. And they said, no. So Ryan said, do we have any baggy bags? Yeah, right over there. So he took the bag and he went outside, he got snow, he put it in the bag and he ran it up to his friend in the room and said, here, put this on your ankle. Is that the whole story? No, there's more. So he then um, was going to get food because when you're in the dorm, you have to eat at the cafeteria, right? So at the, at the cafeteria, you can't eat there and then take food and go. You have to get your food and either everything right there or package it up and go. So Ryan packaged up his meal to go and eat it back in his dorm. And as he was going over there, he was like, oh, man, how is he going to get dinner tonight? So he went over there and he take him, took him the food, and, he, and the young man said, oh, man, thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was about two years ago that that happened. And you would think that maybe that young man was like, yeah, that was good. Thanks, man. Well, la, uh, let's see, last night... Ryan went out to pizza with some of his friends, and this young man was one of them. And he got to, the young man said, hey, Ryan, he's my guardian angel. He, he was like an angel. He came and he helped me out that night. Is that the rest, is that the story? 
No, there's more. So what happened was this, this kid gave the rest of the story. So he told Ryan, he said, yeah, when I fell, there were two students that came by and said, hey, are you, are you all right? And he said, oh, man, no, I really hurt myself. Okay, take care. And they left. They left him there, and he was like, oh, okay, okay. And then you, Ryan, came, and you helped me. You helped me not only get up to my room, but you helped put ice on my ankle, and, and you got me dinner, and that really meant a lot. Here it is, two years later, and he remembers that. So I want to tell you guys, I, I wanted to tell you this story not to brag about my son, not to do that. But I want you guys to know that you guys can all be good Samaritans. Each one of you can choose to help someone when you see that they need it. Even as little as you are, you can help people. If you see somebody that's fallen down, you can help them. But don't just help them after they've fallen down. Do more. Do the next step. Help them. All right, you guys can go back to your seats. Have a happy Sabbath. Right. Great is thy faithfulness. This is our next song. It's number 100 in your hymnals. If you'd like to sing along with the, the notes or the words are up here, we're singing the first and the third verse. So hymn number 100, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Cheers. 
so much. You guys sound wonderful. Number 111 in your hymnals, It Took a Miracle. One of my, I always say that, one of my favorite songs, hymns. Well, we'll sing the first and the third verse. Number 111. song this morning is Amazing Grace, number 108 in your hymnal. And this is one of those songs that I feel like you just can't sing the first and the last verse. This is one of the songs that I feel like we really have to sing all of them, all of the verses. So we're going to sing all five verses of Amazing Grace. It's number 108 in your hymnal. If you have any praises or prayer requests, you are more than welcome to come forward and Craig is gonna have our prayer.
you see fit. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us, your ever-ending compassion, your love and your grace. We thank you for all that you are towards us. Your heart is towards us, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for Doris's message this morning that she brought to us of hope and joy. Thank you of the music that Patty has brought that uplifts our spirit. And we thank you for Marcy and the songs that she leads us in. Lord, this, this week you've spoken into my life, and I just pray that you've done the same for others. I ask that you will take our hearts and remove the stones. Take the scales from our eyes that we might see the people in this world as you see them. May we treat each and every one of the other people around us with love and compassion that you have shown us. Lord, we ask that you be with Pastor Farr this morning as he brings us your message. May you anoint his lips, open our hearts and minds to the message you have for us. Change us in this time spent with you. Pray for those that have brought forward prayer requests, Lord. You know what they are. We ask that you will lift the burdens of their hearts, bring them peace, hope. We pray for the, we give thanks for the, the praises that others have brought forward of how you've moved in their lives. Lord, we pray that this, this time spent worshiping you will bring praise and glory to your name. 
and that hearts and minds will be drawn to you and will be better for the time spent. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The piece I play now was signed by Johann Sebastian Bach to the glory of God. Hence, as it is written, so it will be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Thank you, Owen, for sharing your talents with us. Scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Good morning and happy Sabbath, everybody. Maybe I should put the microphone a little closer to my mouth. There we go. Good morning. Ooh, look at that sun shining through the windows. You have no idea how blessed we are. You just don't. <laughs> I get to travel all over the place. Um, lately, it's getting harder to travel all over the place. But as I travel all over the place... I see all kinds of churches, brand new churches, churches that have been around for 10 years, churches that have been here for 40 plus, right? Let me just tell you, I have been a lot of places even in the last 160 plus days and none of them have beautiful stained glass windows that let the sunlight from outside shine in like this place. None of them. It is a beautiful thing. But what God put on my heart this morning was a question 
that I've been asking myself all week. In fact, it's more than one question. It's a few questions. First of all, there's one question that God put on my heart that has not been able to leave my mind since early this week. He said, Stephen, how much does freedom cost? Hmm. Started thinking about that. How much does freedom cost? So I'm going through my week and I'm thinking about how much freedom costs. It's a great question. Then as my week is going by, I'm thinking about the price of freedom and what it costs. And God asked me another question. He said, Stephen, now brace yourself. I'm getting ready to ask you a question. It's not going to be easy for you to take. It probably won't be easy for people to hear when you share it with people Sabbath morning. But it's a question that I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you to ask your church, both here in Pendleton and at Pilot Rock after this. And here it is. What are you doing with your freedom? How much does freedom cost? What do you do with your freedom? Perhaps another question we should be asking ourselves right now is, what does freedom cost? How much freedom do we have? And how much longer will we have the freedom we do to be here, to hear the piano play, to listen to the cello, to sing praises to God, to hear the word of God shared and broken? How much does freedom cost? What are you doing with your freedom? How much longer will you have the freedoms you do? These are all questions that God has been placing on my heart. Now, Marcy, thank you so much for telling the children's story this morning and telling a story that highlights one of the wonderful things about one of your sons, because right now I'm going to brag about my brother, and I'm not ashamed to do it at all. <laughs> I'm just going to stand right up here and tell you from the front. I am going to brag about my brother. So right now, the wonderful uh, sound technician that I have upstairs is going to bring up a slide on the screen. Now, my brother Nathan is an interesting young man. I remember winning the state bowling championship with him in my final year of eligibility. I was 21, 20, 21, and he was about 18, 19 years old. And then I remember one day he came home and he said, hey mom, guess what? <laughs> I just came back from Seattle and guess what I just did? Well, I don't know. I just signed up for the U.S. Navy, and I've already signed the papers and swore in, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I leave for boot camp in a couple of weeks. Salute. My mother loved that. <laughs> it was a real holiday for the next couple of weeks around my place. Yeah. Or should I say a holy day, but it wasn't very... Ho anyway, yeah. And so... Here I am thinking to myself, wow, that's a real game changer. And over the last 17 years, I have found out just how much of a game changer that's been for my brother. You see, my brother 
has spent the last 17 years of his life serving this country in the U.S. Navy as an AO. And in case you don't know what that is, he works on large aircraft carriers with jets that go really fast and drop big bombs. And it's his job to make sure that that jet is locked and loaded, ready to fly, and that nothing will happen to the pilot. And at one time, my brother was in charge of three U.S. aircrafts that are $33 million apiece, right? And his name was on those planes, and he had to sign something. If anything happens to the officer that flies this plane, I get court-martialed. Right. What does it cost to go to church in a building with beautiful stained-glass windows where you don't have to worry about a bomb rolling down the aisle of your church? I remember one time my brother went to out on debt for nine months. He got in trouble, if you can imagine that, being my brother. He was on an aircraft carrier um, getting planes ready to fly into Afghan and Iraq. And he got himself into some trouble. And one of the things many people don't know about the service is, is that just because you're in one branch of the service does not mean that you will not serve with other branches of the service. Okay? Very often, when one branch of the service needs somebody who does a certain job and they don't have that person, they call the other branch of the service and they say, we're going to need this person. And then you go. Well, because my brother got in trouble, it was actually going to be his duty to go to a hangar where they had jets on land. And because he got in trouble, they had him do grunt duty on the deck, cleaning all of the, the trip wire places where they have to go and they have to get the water out of it so that when the, the jets come in, nothing will happen and that it'll land. To the best of my understanding in the story he told me, I have never been on an aircraft carrier like the one he was telling me about. So because he got in trouble and got put on a different duty, then one of his friends had to go on land. And I'll spare you all of the details, but that friend did not come back. And I remember watching my brother shipped off to Japan for three years where he had to go through a lot of a lot of help to get back to where he felt right about his life again. How much does it cost? After that three years, they decide to send him out on debt to Bahrain, and during this time, my brother was out in a place where it is incredibly hot, and he was incredibly depressed because he was away from family and friends for nine months. And during that time, I literally was watching what was happening to my brother whenever I would be able to communicate with him, and I would get pictures. And he, I, I was afraid that he was not going to come back. And then after he got home, he was only home for a little while, and my phone rings. It was the middle of the night. In fact, it was funny. He has my phone number. For some reason, he was calling me on Facebook Messenger. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you calling? 
he's calling me on Facebook Messenger. So I get on the phone with him in the middle of the night. I wake up and I'm like, bro, I'm sleeping. It's the middle of the night. I have to go and preach at church tomorrow. What in the world do you want at one o'clock in the morning? He says, I need to talk to you. He says, listen, um, I don't really believe in the stuff you do. I don't believe in what you do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a God or not, but I mean, the way that you believe things, I don't believe it. I just need you to know that up front. But I need you to know something else. He says, I've been watching the way that you live your life. And I want you to know that I do what I do. I've lived my life away from family, away from friends, away from the freedoms that you enjoy every single day of your life. I do what I do because I believe in what you do. And I want you to be free to keep doing it. And then he said, I'm sorry for calling you in the middle of the night, but I'm going back to Bahrain. Well, what are you doing that for? You just did that. You were gone for nine months. I don't understand. Why are you going back to Bahrain? And he says, well, brother, I don't want to give you all of the details, but I'll just keep it simple. A friend of mine who's a part of my company, it's his turn to go to Bahrain. And his wife just had a child. And I pull rank on him. And they need someone. And I don't have to go. He does. But I'm going instead. What does it cost? I'm so glad that I got to be a part of the veterans dinner that we had the other night because I sat with a few families and I talked to families. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. I talked to some of the families sitting there that have veterans from Vietnam. Veterans from the conflicts that our country has been facing over the last many years. And I was talking to wives, right? Talking to family members. And finding out what it's like to have somebody have to leave for nine months at a time or more. So where am I going with this? The thing that's been on my mind all week, the thing that was on my mind Thursday morning as I was sitting in my car, looking at the city up here on the hill, and praying for the members of this church, and posting a post with a picture of my brother, thanking him for his service was, how much does it cost for the freedom we have and what are we doing with it? Now, there's a reason why I bring this up, but before I move forward, I just want to ask everyone in this church to do me a favor. I would like the members of our armed forces, the veterans, the people who are currently serving and have served, to please stand. And I would like all of the members of this church to give them a round of applause and thank them. I want to say thank you. Thank you for your service.
In Matthew chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 9, you see stories, stories about Jesus and the ministry that he did when he was here in this world. But before I go to Matthew chapter 9, haha, some of you were already turning there, I apologize. Before I go to Matthew chapter 9, I just want to, I want to, I want to read something to you that's very interesting in Matthew chapter 16. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, you have Jesus telling the people, telling his disciples, speaking plainly to them about the fact that he is going to soon give his life. We see that in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Can you imagine this? The disciples are thinking to themselves, the Savior of the universe has come and he's getting ready to overthrow Rome with military power, right? This is the thing that they've got in their mind. Jerusalem is going to be a great nation again. God has sent the promised one, the Messiah. He's getting ready to take care of business. <laughs> And then Jesus is saying things like, hey guys, you know, not too many days from now, we have to go to Jerusalem, and when I'm there, I'm going to be arrested and killed. You need to get ready for this. And what does Peter do? Ah, let's look at the Bible. It says in verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. This is going to happen to you. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm getting ready to go and give my life for your freedom. Freedom from what? You see, they thought they wanted freedom from Romans, right? They thought they wanted freedom from government oppression, but Jesus was like, <laughs> I could give you freedom from Romans. I could give you freedom from government oppression, and guess what? That wouldn't solve your problem. You know what that would do? That would make you a powerful nation that would then oppress the people that are oppressing you. That's not going to solve the problem. No, 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 no. I'm coming to give you freedom from something. I have to give my life so that you can have freedom. I'm going to give my life so that you can live. Because what you actually deserve is the death I'm about to die. You guys, I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem and be arrested. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to rise on the third day. And I'm doing it so that you can live in my place. I'm giving my life so that you can live. What? Peter's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it goes, Lord. That's, that, that's not what we want. Well, look what happens next. This is really interesting. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Ooh. He did. He got him real good. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute, what? He says, hey, you're not thinking about the things that my father's thinking about. You're thinking about the things that your religious leaders are thinking about. You're thinking about the things that the Roman governors are thinking about as they're trying to keep the people oppressed that they're ruling over. You're thinking about the kingdom of men. I'm thinking about the kingdom that my father wants to set up. And then it gets really interesting because, you know, this next part is something that I have puzzled over from the time I was 24 years old and I decided to quit running from God's call on my life, which didn't go very well, by the way. Running from God and what he wanted me to do with my life and doing everything that I thought would bring me happiness, you know where that took me? 
I mean, I could do anything I want, right? I have freedom. Christ died so that I can live. I'm alive. I get so many years on this earth like everybody else, right? I have so many days. From the time I was born, God had counted off to me. Boom. You're going to get this many days of life. I've made that life possible for you. I got news for you. Everyone that's alive, all of you listening on the YouTube, watching on Facebook, seeing it on the live stream, listen, everybody here in this church, everyone in this town, everyone that's living is breathing right now because Christ gave his life for you. And you say, well, then how did the people before Christ live? I'll tell you. He made the decision that he was giving his life for us at the center of time before time began. That's why. So Jesus dying at the, on the cross was something that God decided that he was going to do if sin would come into this world before time began. And as a result of that, every person who has ever lived, lived because he lived and died so that we could live. And then it says something interesting. He rebukes Peter and says, hey, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about the kingdom of my father. You're not thinking about the kingdom that God sent me here to set up. You're thinking about the kingdom of men. And oh, by the way, my kingdom is not the kingdom of men. And saying that, I got, I got a question for you. Is it good news that Jesus' kingdom is not the kingdom of this world? I've watched a lot of people over my life, and many of you much older than me, have listened to many people make promises about how they're going to make the kingdoms of men on this earth cause this great utopia to arise. Right? Oh, we promise. Hey, listen, if you just pay a little bit more taxes, we're going to get this program going, and it's going to fix all the, and it's going to be good, and then everyone on planet earth is going to be, we're going to have a brand new kingdom, right? We're going to make it work. And all through time, we've seen kingdoms rise and we've seen kingdoms fall. We've seen kingdoms come to power. We've seen kingdoms fall off the scene. And nobody's gotten it figured out yet. Nobody. And then Jesus says something really weird. He says, you're thinking about the kingdom of men instead of the kingdom of my father. And here's something that I got to say to you. He says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let me just stop there. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So let me ask you, what are you doing with your freedom? And I always thought this was really interesting because I was like, wait a minute, what do you, what do you mean? Okay, so Jesus, you died so I can live, but now you want me to deny myself. I don't understand what you're talking about. He goes on. He says, and now I want you to take up your cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, the logical question that somebody that is not born and raised in the church is going to be thinking if they're listening to this sermon is, so Jesus came to die for me so that I could then deny myself and pick up a cross and follow him and die. Right? But, but friends, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. You see, spiritual things have to be spiritually discerned. What Jesus is saying is, if you want to live, you have to die to self so that the life that I laid down for you can be lived through you because that's the only way that you're getting out of here. 
And here's something else. You have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, not because I need you to go die the death I already died for you, but because I need you to lay down your selfishness so that I can live through you, not just to save you. Because it's not all just about you. We live in a world full of people. It's all about us. I got to get that new job. I got to get that degree. I got to make that. I got to get that. I got to get, 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 get. And if only I had more, and if I could cut further in front of the line when it comes to medical care, if only I could get, and if we could just. And that's what we do with our freedom. We make sure we get ours. And in the process of getting ours, I've got news for you. And it's something I get to look at every single week of my life. Guess what? You can spend your life trying to save it by getting that degree and that job and that medical and, that, and everything that this world has to offer you. And in the end, guess what happens? Anyone know? Who? Now, do you die or do you sleep? We'll talk about that another week. We'll talk about it another week. We don't have time for that sermon. If I go on that, I'm not going to make it to Pilot Rock. Okay. So what am I trying to say today? Friends, what Jesus has revealed to me is he's not asking me to go and die on a cross. He's not asking me to actually go to sleep. He's asking me to die to self so that I can truly live. He's asking me to be one of the living dead. Dead to what? Dead to the flesh, dead to the sin that drives us, dead to the thoughts that make us think, ooh, I'm going to get out there and save myself, because that's what life is all about. Me, 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 me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in glory. He will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. There's another place in the Bible that says, hey, why are you guys worrying about the things that can destroy your flesh? Why are you worrying about the things that can put you to sleep in the first death, which is not a permanent death? Why are you not fearing the God who is the only one who can permanently destroy both your flesh and your soul in hellfire? You're paying attention to the wrong things. You're worried about what's going on in this world. You're worried about saving yourself. You're worried about how you're going to position yourself to be ahead of everybody else. And what I'm telling you is, is friends, you can't save yourself. If you don't recognize that you must lay down your life so that I can live in you, first of all, you're not going to live. And second of all, if you don't do it, there are big consequences for everyone around you. If you don't lay down your life for me and let me live through you, other people are going to be casualties in this war that we are fighting too. Friends, the war that we are fighting is not a war that can be won, a flesh and blood battle. But it is one that can only be won as the people of God become a praying people on their knees asking for the power of the Holy Spirit and also open the word of God because I've got news for you. Jesus isn't asking you to lay down your life or give up the things that you're hanging on to this world because he wants your stuff. He's asking you to do it because he's promised if you'll lay down your life, then he will live in and through you and give you a life so much more abundant than anything you could ever secure for yourself. And from that, he'll use you to be a world changer. 
and a difference maker. I'm telling you today that God wants us to be the living dead. He wants us to be dead to the flesh. He wants us to be dead to the ways of man. He wants us to be alive in his spirit so our eyes can be opened to a kingdom that is actually coming on the scene. Now, see, so many of us are waiting for Jesus to come again so we can be in his kingdom. And what he has said is, would you pray? Will you join me? Will you ask for the spirit? Will you open my word? Will you let me live in and through you? And here's why. I want my kingdom to come and my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, the people sitting here in this church, the people watching, watching on YouTube and Facebook, you are the answer to the cancer of sin in this world. God gave his life so that you could be set free from your chains and slavery to self and sin. And what he's asking me is, is, well, what are you doing with your freedom? What are you doing with your freedom? You know, I had to think to myself, my brother has given 17 years of his life, never got married, never had kids, took every deployment they asked him to take. Everyone. Just signed for six more years. And this week when I was writing a post to thank my brother for what he's done so that I can be free to stand here and take some of your time on Sabbath morning, I was crying tears down my face asking myself the question, well, Stephen, your brother gave his life for you. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? And then I thought about Jesus. He gave his life so that you can live. And friends, we often, yeah, I know, I may not be there on time, it's okay. I'll get there when God wants me there, right? Here's the thing. Let me just have a little heart-to-heart -heart with you. It's going to get worse. You hear a lot of preachers online, they're telling, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's going to get better. You know what my brother tells me? It's not getting better, Stephen. And, and the thing is, is that we're waiting for some government or king, right, to deliver us from the oppression. And what God is saying is, is I'm looking for people who are willing to die to live to help me. Will you be my hands and feet? Jesus was Matthew 9. I'm not going to go there and read it all. I'm just going to tell you what it says there. Matthew 9. I want you to read it after church today. It's an entire chapter telling about the miracles of Jesus. He's here with a paralytic. He's here with a demon possessed. He's here with someone that died. Now he's bringing them back to life. He's going all of these places. And the disciples come to him and they're like, yeah, you know, hey, when are we going to get the show on the road? Right? <laughs> And then he's, got, then he's got the religious leaders coming to him and being like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Yeah, You know what you're doing? You're casting out demons by the power of Satan. That's what you're doing. <laughs> we got him figured out, everybody. What a loser. This guy's actually on the enemy's side. He's a quack. This savior that you're following, don't listen to him. Yeah, I know you're seeing miracles, but, but he's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. So don't follow him, right? Don't work with him. He's a bad guy. 
And so then Jesus says something very interesting. I'm going to tell you what he said. Here's Jesus out there day and night from first thing in the morning to the last thing at night. First thing in the morning, he's up. Last thing at night, he's going down. First thing in the morning, he is up. He's up on the mountain praying. Oh, God, help me to pick the right disciples. Oh, Father, show me your plan. Show me where to go. Give me the power. Pour out your Holy Spirit in my life. I've got miracles to do. I've seen the people. They're hurting. They look like they're lost. They don't have a shepherd. They don't know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing with the life we've given them, Father. Ah, we got to help them. He's up early in the morning praying, and then he's all day going appointment to appointment to appointment to appointment. Next person, praying for the demon possessed, going to the girl. Hey, Master, could you just come here? It's only, it's only a three-day walk, but I've got this daughter that's dead. Could you come? Oh, he's doing it all by the power of Satan, you guys. Can't you see? Jesus says something. Matthew 9, 35, he says, it says, then Jesus went about, oh, this is what Jesus does in response. So everybody's talking about him. And, yeah, what a quack. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. That's obvious. Huh. And here's how Jesus responds. You guys ready for this? It's so beautiful. I love how Jesus responds. How many of you guys love how Jesus responds to things? So they're talking about him and saying all this stuff, and he just brushes past it, and here's what he does. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and healing every single sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. They were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, you guys, the harvest is truly plentiful. Are your eyes open? Do you see all the people? They're all around you looking for help. They're scared. They're confused. They're hurting. They're sick. Do you see what I see? Harvest is plentiful. They're come. They're looking for answers. The harvest is plentiful. But here's the sad part. You guys, the laborers are very few. Therefore, pray. Will you guys join me in praying? Pray. That's his response. Well, you want to accuse me of being a bad guy that's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub? I'm going to ignore that and go and help the people now because I'm too busy to even worry about your attacks or the things that you don't like about me. Yeah, I get it. I'm not setting up the kingdom the way you want. I don't have time for that. The laborers are few. Do you see the people? They're scared. They're confused. And we're waiting for someone out there in the government or someone out there around outside. We're waiting for other people to do what God has called us to do ourselves. We're waiting for other people to do it. And why are we waiting for other people to do it? Because we're too busy using our freedom, living for ourselves, rather than dying to self so that Christ can live in us to give us life more abundant and all those around us who need life more abundant. Friends, we're in trouble. And people ask me, well, you know, Pastor Farr, why do you preach so long? Right? Oh, Pastor Farr, why do you get so excited? Pastor Farr, you look a little tired. Pastor Farr, Pastor Farr, Pastor Far, Pastor Far, Pastor Far. And you know what I have to say to all of that? Friends, wake up. You know what's going on? 
the sand in the hourglass, it's running out. And I'm here to tell you something very transparently and vulnerable. You know what they tell you? Don't be transparent, don't be vulnerable. You're a holy man. You go and you preach your 30-minute sermon, and then you get in your nice carriage and you drive away. And you wave to the people with a little smile, with your perfect life and your perfect family with no problems, and your church will grow. You know what I have to say to that? No. 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 Because I'm not interested in the kingdoms of men. I'm not interested in your praise. I don't need you to like me. I need you to help me. Because we are running out of time. And instead of living dead people, I see people that are way too alive to the world and dead and asleep. And I'm sorry for not coming here and preaching nice, feel-good sermons where I give you the thumbs up and say, yeah, well, there was my 15 minutes to you, and I'm going to go get in my little car now that the conference pays for, and I'm going to drive away, and we can just go on doing life like we did before, and everything is going to be peace and safety, I promise. Come back next week. Check off your time. If you pay your tithe and you're in your 30-minute sermon, then you'll go to the kingdom and get saved, right? And I got news for you. I'm going to say one last thing here. One, you can't save yourself. Two, if you don't let Jesus save you, you won't be the only casualty. The people that you claim to love here in Pendleton and Pilot Rock, your family, your children, your loved ones, your friends, they will be the casualties too with you. Because if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. And everyone that God put us here as his church to save will lose it too. Here's what the Bible says. I'm going to let him play a song for you. Here's what the Bible says. John 14, 12. It says, The works that I did, you will also do, and greater works than these. I want you to go read John 14 and 15 today. I don't have time to go through all of it with you. Go read it. You're going to find out what God wants to do in this church and in this city. You're going to find out what his kingdom on earth looks like. You're going to find out what it means to be plugged into the vine. You're going to find out what it means to live a life like my brother. Greater love hath no man than this, than he is willing to lay down his life for his friends. You know what Jesus said? He says, I don't call you slaves anymore. I don't call you servants. Quit listening to the devil's lies. I call you friend. And guess what? Because you're my friends, I'd like to show you the secrets of my kingdom. You're going to do great things. You're going to do the things I did. You're going to do greater things than this. This city, this church, Pendleton, right here. You're going to do great things. But you got to let go of the selfishness of this world. you got to quit trying to fulfill my plan through the ways of men. It's not about that. you got to die to self so that you can live, so that I can live through you, so that you can tell 
my children about me so that my kingdom can come. Wouldn't you like to be the person that walks in the room? Oh, good. <laughs> They're here. They're going to pray with me. Oh, good. They're here. They're going to open the Bible with me. You're going to tell me about the hope I have in the face of all the things I see on the news and Facebook. Oh, good, they're here. They're going to give me a warm meal. I'm one of the homeless people downtown that people just drive by and flip off, right? Oh, you're here. You're here for my daughter. You're here for my son who's struggling. You're here. Oh, isn't it good news you're here? And you've got answers. Greater things are coming. Here. Jesus things, kingdom of God things, and I'm going to be part of it. And my question for you today, before the song on the screen plays, is are you willing to be one of the living dead so you can be part of it too? Or do you just want to watch me do it myself until I'm dead. God of this city, you're the king of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, there is no one like our is no one like our God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. You're the God of this city, you're the King of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are. You're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are. There is no one like I.
is no one like our God. There is no one like you, God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be are going to be part of it because Jesus is going to make this church the light to this city, to this region, and this world. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.